Christ. 
tithing in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless I stand before the throne in Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in Savior's love and through the storm He is Lord Lord of all Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love and through the storm He is Lord Lord of all This next one's one of my favorites so sing it loud and uh, have fun with it Jesus, my heart will sing. 
joy that you are for the truth in the songs we just sang. God, I'm, I pray that um, you would just speak to our hearts through Tom, through your word today, and that um, as Tom said, that we would just let down any uh, barriers, let go of any uh, any past sins that we haven't uh, repented of, God, and that you would be able to do a work in our lives. And it's in your son's holy name I pray. Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and go to Hebrews chapter 11. I hope you brought the Bible because that's all we have. And I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, okay? If you're a guest this morning or here for the first time in several weeks, we're on a journey walking through uh, an incredible chapter in the Bible. Today we uh, finish up what we actually started last week. We began to look at Noah last week and shared with our church that there was just so much that I didn't feel like that I could really be adequate if I just tried to do it in in one breath. And so we took verse 7, we kind of divided it in half. Today I want to, I titled the message today, Faith Always Works. If you're with us in Sunday school, we have begun a journey through the study of James. Warren Wiersbe uh, wrote a great book in James, and each week we're going to be taking another bite out of James, and one of the main truths that we find in James is that faith always works. We see it in the life of Noah. 
in the midst of some very bizarre circumstances, we find a man who believed and lived out his belief. And beloved, I want you to know, all true faith does that. Biblical Christianity is that there is a body of facts that we believe, wholeheartedly surrender to, and we live it out by obeying the voice of God, obeying, obeying the call of God, and we put into life action what God has deposited into our heart through His grace. The living out of your belief is not just confirmation that you got it, but it could be a test that you ask yourself, do I have it? Is it really real in my life? Let me tell you what my goal is, frankly, this morning. It is that some of you, after we're through and you get ready to walk out, you walk out with praise and you say, praise God. Through grace, I got it. I believe this and I'm living this all to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. My other goal, though, might be that you are sitting here and you hear what's going to be said today. And you begin to ask yourself, you know, I understand this truth. But as I look at my life, as I look at my lifestyle, as I look at some of the decisions I've made or perhaps even the direction I'm going, there's something in those decisions or in that direction that's causing me some concern. I believe that when we get through exegeting out Hebrews 11.7, you're going to be able to say, yes, I got it. Or, you know what? I need to do an evaluation on my life. There's a lot of stuff here. Would you stand for I know it's just one verse, but I'm not about to try to speak without standing or at least not read God's word without standing. Notice the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, your Bible may say in fear, or your translation may say in reverent fear. All of those work. Mine says in reverence. I'm going to insert fear. In fear prepared an ark, why? For the salvation of his household through which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. May God bless the reading. May God be honored in the preaching of the word of God today. Thanks. Let's be seated. Last week, as I kind of introduced the verse, we talked a little bit about grade school or junior high or high school. We talked a little bit about English. You remember that? And I tried to help you remember back when you were kids that a sentence, verse 7 is one sentence, right? And a sentence has to have a subject, has to have a what? 
verb. The heart of a sentence is a verb, and then there has to be a direction to which the sentence flows, sentence flows, which would be the direct object. And that's what I want to do today. I want to break that down. The subject is Noah. The verb is built. The direct object is the ark. Okay? Let's begin at the heart of a sentence, the verb. Notice the Bible says, Noah built an ark. Now, in my study, let me tell you what I was hoping. I was hoping to find that this word built was one of those special words in the Bible. You know, a word that when you begin to search it out is only used one time, so it has special meaning. And I was going to be able to say, oh, gang, this word built is only used once. Man, it's significant. But alas, as I dug, you know what I found out? It's not a special word at all. The writer under inspiration just used a word which simply means to prepare or to build or to construct. However, as I began to dig, I found out that the verb, the way the verb is used, tells us something that I think is very important. In the Greek New Testament, this verb refers to a completed action. We might would say a cumulative action. There's some verbs in the New Testament that talks about stressing the beginning of a work, the consistency of a work, or the end of a work. The way this verb is used, the writer's talking about the end or, or the finish. Now, I want you to use your imagination with me. Let's go back into Noah's time. Here we find a guy who really didn't have a clue what all was going on because it had never happened before, right? God's call to him was to build an ark in the midst of great wickedness, increasing wickedness, growing anti-Godism. And so for a period of 120 years, this guy who really didn't have a clue started something Continued with something, but the stress is on that he finished something. And gang, what a call and what a challenge to our life today. He started it and he finished it for one reason. God called him to do it. And he obeyed the call of God on his life and he finished what he started today. We have God's complete record, don't we? We have God's complete word that we call it the Bible. It's God's revelation of himself that's directed into our lives in fullness and completion to direct our steps, to help us live our lives. Gang, listen, we have it better today than Noah had it in his time. And the question we ought to ask ourselves, are we living his call? Are we obeying his word? I mean, today, in our culture, in the world in which we live, when we have all of these churches scattered all over our nation, pretending to be something of God, and it seems to be 
at least the light seems to be dimming, we ought to ask ourselves, are we doing, are we building, and are we willing to stick with it regardless of the jeering, the ridicule, even the persecution? Because God called us, and what God calls us to do, we've got to finish. I think that's an incredible challenge to Indian Springs Baptist Church today. How do we, church, stack up in a community that desperately needs to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus? Are we living our lives? Are we making our decisions? Are we going in the directions that God would have us go so that we can build the arcs of the gospel into the lives of our friends, into the lives of our family? Do they see it reflected in our lives? Well, look at verse 7. Let's begin with the, now with the subject. Did you notice that the writer says two very important things about Noah? Notice what the Bible says. By faith, being warned about the future, basically is what it's saying. By faith, being warned about the future, in reverence or in fear, prepared an ark. Now, gang, listen, when you study biblical Christianity, when you study the Bible truth, you know what you find? You find two truths side by side, or perhaps a coin, with two sides on it. One side is by faith, and the other side is in fear or in reverence. And either, if either of one of those two sides are missing, you don't have biblical Christianity. You see, the Bible says, by faith, in fear, Noah obeyed. And if you don't have both, you don't have it. I've had people tell me, oh, listen, Tom, I, I believe in Jesus. I, mean, I, I believe he was the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he even died on the cross for sin. But everything in their life looks like hell, which is where they're going. Because they have a body of facts, you see. But they don't have a life that reflects in fear or in reverence what they believe. Now, gang, if you have the faith, but you miss the fear, you don't have biblical Christianity. Does that somehow make you understand what's going on in our churches today, on the roles of our churches today? It's easy to say, I believe in Jesus. It's easy to say, I understand the cross. I understand what happened on the cross. But when you transfer that into my life, all of a sudden we begin to say, you know, I, I don't really know if I want or I'm willing or if I'm following after the Christ who died for me. And if either side of those two truths are missing, guess what? You don't have biblical Christianity. Can I be so bold to say if one of those are missing in your life, you're not saved. And the lifestyle that shows you you're not saved is going to be the lifestyle that will bring condemnation to you for all of eternity. Now, if you have a little bit of the faith end, you might have a form of religion. You might have a form of some social organization. Hey, you might even have a meet and greet club. 
But beloved, you don't have a biblical church. Faith is believing in God alone as he has chosen to reveal himself in his word and the revelation of himself in his son. You remember, well, you may not, I, I forget usually on Monday what I preach on Sunday, but, but when we started this series, I gave you a definition of faith from Webster's Dictionary. How many of you remember that? Great, three of us, man, we're good. I actually had to go back to my first sermon and look it up, okay? But I, I, I took Webster's Dictionary. Webster was a Christian, a wonderful Christian. And I took his definition of faith, and here's what I told you. Faith, number one, is the ascent of the mind to the truth of God's revelation. You remember that? It's a mind acceptance of facts. There is a body of facts you have to know, understand, and accept. Number two, I said, it's the ascent of the heart to trust in God's character. you got to believe this body of facts is beneficial, that it's true and beneficial to me. And then I said number three, it's the ascent of the will to the unreserved surrender to obedience based upon Christ's merit. And I mentioned to you, that's the cross. Now I want to take that definition and I want to pour it into verse 7, into Noah's life. Here's how it'll shake out. Noah, in his mind, was warned by God. Noah, in his heart, revered, feared God. Noah, in his will, built an ark. He obeyed God. And all dear people, I want you to know, that's biblical Christianity. By faith we believe, and in fear we obey. And if we're not believing, and if we're not obeying, we're not saved. Then I wonder how that definition fits in with modern day Christianity today. Faith is believing. You remember, faith is believing. Fear is following. You see, when you believe someone or believe something, boy, you grab it, don't you? Man, I believe him, and I grab it. When you fear or when you reverence someone or something, you follow it. Let me give you an example. Growing up, I feared my dad, okay? Now, part of that was reverence. Part of it was fear. Huh? Yeah. But that's the way it should be. That's what biblical fear is. See, I am afraid. You guys listen to me. I am afraid of God. I'm afraid that at any moment and at any time, with the snap of his finger and the blink of his eye, our nation no longer exists. I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid that if God gets tired of Tom, if I do something stupid like old preachers do in their old age sometimes, 
I'm afraid that God could snap his finger and I am no more. And everything I've tried to build, all of my ministry life will be gone in a puff. I'm afraid of God. And I have a deep reverence or respect for God. That's the way it was with my dad. I followed in reverence his leading. I respected him and I respected my rear end a lot, okay? That's the way it's supposed to be. You see, when I followed my daddy, it was an authority thing. I believe my dad was the authority figure in my home. And for believers, the authority figure is that someone called Jesus Christ alone. Gang, it's not a preacher on TV. It's not the preacher at Indian Springs Baptist Church. You don't follow me. I'm just like you. I'm a follower trying to follow Jesus Christ. Even if it means we're jeered at. Even if it means we're ridiculed. Even if it means we're threatened, yea, even if it means that somewhere in the course of our life, it might mean our life. Because believers in Jesus, by faith and in fear, follow hard, passionately, obediently after Almighty God that's given to us in the Word of God. Now before we move on, let me give you another definition that I kind of came up with faith, and I, and I like it, not just because I wrote it. I, the reason I like it is because the writer is trying to write to or trying to preach to really struggling followers, believers, okay? And this morning you might be a struggling, suffering follower, you know? You may be embittered. You may be in a battle. You may wonder, man, is this what they, this, this is it? So let me give you this definition, okay? It's God's true people preserving, or I'm sorry, persevering through suffering till heaven's gates open up and swallow them up. Let me say it again. God's true people persevering through suffering till heaven's gates open up and swallow them up. I wonder what it was like for Noah. Have you ever thought about it? 120 years. The only one who liked them was his wife. And I would imagine they had some discussions, huh? Think about it. Husband, what you going to You going to job today? Well, no, I thought I'd build, work on the boat. What's a boat? Well, it's something you need when it rains. Well, what's rain? And all this junk's coming at him. Maybe his wife. I don't know, Miss Noah. When we get there, we can ask her. But, you know, she might have had some of those questions. What's going on, you know? And she might have even said at some point along, hey, Noah, you got teenagers. You need to spend time, more time with the kids, you know? 
but he stuck with it until the end. Suffering all the way, jeered at and ridiculed, yea, perhaps even persecuted. But the guy never stopped. You know why? Because when Christians understand it's by faith and in fear, they don't stop until glory beckons and the gates of heaven open and swallows them up. And I wonder what it was like for Noah when God shut that door. And his wife may have looked, and the kids may have looked, maybe even the giraffes looked. And he said, God was right. I heard him. I obeyed him. And that's enough. That's the way it ought to be for a blood-bought child of God. Noah built. Now let's talk about the direct object. Look at verse 7. I, very important. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, or reverential fear, prepared an ark. Why? For the salvation of his household, through which he condemned the world. And then we'll close with that phrase, became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, do you notice that the writer mentions two things about Noah? And then now the writer mentions two things about the ark. And that's where I'm going to spend a few moments. But let me say in a general sense, the ark, if you study Scripture, the writing of Peter, you find, and even in Jesus' words, you find that the ark is a striking picture, a striking illustration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, I think that the ark is the best illustration in all of the entire Bible about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, I don't know if it was, I think it was last week, we went back to Genesis 6, read a few verses. What's interesting is that when, when God began to instruct Noah about building the ark, one of the commands that he gave to Noah was to take pitch and line the ark on the out. I think the outside on ins and inside. I may be wrong. I may just be outside. But he instructed him, did he not, to take pitch and seal the ark? If you were to take that word pitch, and do a word study on it, you would find out that the root word for pitch is where we get ultimately the word atonement. What an incredible illustration. What an incredible word study for us. That the ark is a picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, what did the ark do, or what does the gospel do? Well, at verse 7 it says, for the salvation of his household. Did you catch that? Now, listen, no one knew what God was doing. God warned them. God was grieved. God was going to wipe out everybody. He knew that. And so he knew that the ark and the, the flood was going to be part of God's judgment. But to Noah, in faith and in fear, he went about building the ark for the salvation of his family, 
for the saving of his home. And I want you to know, beloved, that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. The gospel saves our families. The gospel saves people. Now, we can discuss different parts of the doctrine of salvation. Preachers, listen. Man, we love to get together and talk about the doctrine of salvation. Man, it's called soteriology. And us preachers love to spend our afternoons talking about We'll get together, go to Starbucks, and we'll get talking about soteriology. We get about halfway through, we'll want to take our rest of our coffee and throw it on the other guy, you know? We love talking about the doctrine of salvation. But here the text simply says, Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. Now, was there room for more? Yeah. If they'd gotten on, there would have been room for everybody that would get on. Those who, through God's righteousness, would allow them to get on. But you see, God appointed eight to get on because that's all that wanted to get on. That's all that wanted to come on God's terms. Did you understand that, my friend? All of these faith-accepting people who live like the devil, the challenge for them and the problem for them is they want to go to heaven. They're just not willing to go to heaven on God's terms. What's God's terms? Repentance. And faith. You know what that's called? That's called faith, and that's called fear. That's called believing and showing it by obeying. Guess, gang, we, we have the same malady today that Noah had back then. People, maybe you today, people don't want to come on God's terms. God's terms is repentance and faith. And you see, Noah built the ark for the saving of his family. I want to proclaim to you that if you'll come God's way, if you'll understand your sin and your sin nature and the propensity you have to sin and enjoy it. And I want to proclaim to you today, if you're willing to fall in repentance and humbly repent of your sin and by faith believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then He'll allow you to get on that ark. The gospel of Jesus Christ. People don't want to come on God's terms. And what happened? One day, God shut the door of the ark. The gospel saves. Look again in verse 7, okay? Not only does the gospel save, but the gospel or, or the ark condemns. Notice verse 7. Through which or by which he condemned the world. Amazing, isn't it? The same gospel that saves is the same gospel that condemns. Just like the same sun that melts ice hardens clay. When you receive the gospel, gang, you get on the ark and you're saved. When you reject the gospel, you don't get on and you're lost and you are justifiably condemned. 
You're either justified by faith alone or you're condemned by a lack of faith alone. Salvation is by faith alone. And that faith alone is proven by fearful reverence, reverence, obedience, or all else, beloved, is lost. I don't know if you're getting my heart today, but I want to tell you, I've been in this thing a long time. I got some gray hair, huh? And I want to tell you, I'm a little sick and tired of people say, telling me, ah, I believe in Jesus, then I got faith, and they live like the dog. Don't you insult God. Don't you pretend to insult God by saying you have faith and everything in your life is contrary to a faith life? That's a bunch of bunk. That's not true. And it's condemning. That's what verse 7 tells us. He built it for the saving of his family through which he condemned the world. Look at your life, people. If you're not following in faithful, reverent obedience to God, don't tell me you're saved. One day, sadly, one day on that day, on that judgment day, when you stand before God, all your knee will bow and your tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. To the glory of the Father, the problem is it'll be too late because you played some kind of religion game that was nothing more than a social country club game and you're lost and there's nothing in your heart that makes you passionately pursue Christ one of my favorite preachers is Charles Spurgeon Spurgeon was a great English Baptist preacher you've heard of Spurgeon I quoted him a lot a lot of people do listen to what he wrote he who does not believe God will punish sin will not believe that God will pardon through atoning blood. What a statement, huh? He who does not believe that God will punish sin is not going to believe that he'll forgive sin through the atonement of Christ. But that's exactly what the ark presents to us. That's the illustration of the ark. It's the atonement of sin through Christ. My goodness, what an offer. Young people, all you got to do is come God's way, you see. And when you come God's way, regardless of the fun they make at you at school, regardless of all the other junk, you come God's way. You're in the ark. It's sealed with the pitch of the atonement of the blood of Christ. And you can never lose that which God gifts. So let me ask you, where do you stand, huh? Inside or outside? One is salvation. The other is condemnation. Do you know something? Look at that last phrase, verse 7. Do you know that Noah was the first person in the Bible to be called righteous? I want to close with that last phrase. And it, it basically tells us that he received God's favor, favor by faith in Christ, in God, God's way, in obedience prepared, and he became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. I'm going to be redundant. I think uh, I 
Did, I touched on this last week, didn't I? Good, you've forgotten, so you'll think it's fresh, okay? What is an inheritance? What's an inheritance? Somebody, somebody preach a minute. Somebody help me. Something passed down from your family. That's close, Tony. That's not exactly what I'm looking for. So we're going. So what? Whoa, who said that? Yes, ma'am. It's a gift that you receive. Now, it may not be something you earn. Probably is not something. In fact, if you earned it, it wouldn't be an inheritance because it wouldn't be a gift. You were tracking with me? It's a gift that you receive by the sole right of the giver to give to you because he desires for you to get it, regardless of anything good on your end. Does that make sense? It's a gift. You don't earn an inheritance. You don't even probably deserve an inheritance. But somebody decides that they want to give you an inheritance, and so they write it. By the way, if you want to include me in yours, I'll accept that, okay? And I think the illustration I used last time was like this. Because there's been movies on it, and so this is really redundant. You'll remember, if you were here last week, you'll say, I've already heard that. That's okay. This daddy and this boy... Somewhere in the course of their relationship became estranged from one another. The daddy didn't like the boy. The boy didn't like the daddy. And so at his earliest opportunity, the boy flies the coop. He's gone. And they live all of their lives basically not talking, not communicating, not interacting, And one day the phone rings at the boy's house and there's this lawyer on the line and says, Johnny, you've been requested to come to a hearing of the will your daddy has has died. Well, Johnny said, I don't care. I never liked him anyway, you know. He never liked me. What's the big deal? Well, your name is mentioned in the will. You got to come. So Johnny says, well, all right. I won't go. I'll go. So Johnny goes to the reading of the will. And the lawyer begins, and I guess it's a lawyer, maybe a judge. I don't know how stuff's done. I tells you, I don't know what an inheritance is. I ain't never got one, and I ain't leaving one, okay? That's kind of what that means, okay? And so this person begins reading the will. And in the course of the reading, they say, and to Tom Williams. I leave the sum of, what's a good figure? 200,000? No, let's go million. I leave a million dollars. Now, little Johnny is going to say, what? He didn't like me. I didn't like him. I didn't earn that. I don't even deserve that. But Johnny, that's none of your business. Daddy decided as an act of his will, fully within the bounds of his rights, he wanted you to have an inheritance. That's what verse 7 says. 
an heir, an inheritance of righteousness, which is an according to faith. It's something, here's what I wrote. It is something given by the giver as a right of the giver to give alone, as he see fits, as he desires. Theologians would call that alien righteousness or foreign righteousness or depositive righteousness. righteousness. And what they're saying is it's a righteousness that's external that's been deposited into the heart of the recipient. It's not self-righteousness because we don't have any and we're not good enough to manufacture any. We are depraved, right? What that means is we're all sinners and we like it. And there is a propensity or a desire within us not only to sin but to keep on sinning because we really like it, okay? And so if there's any way we're going to be declared declared righteous, and you have to be righteous to enter the gates of heaven, it's going to be a righteousness that's given to you or deposited to you by someone worthy and willing to give it to you. Does that make sense? And so Noah received it as a deposit of righteousness because he came to God under God's terms, God's way, And he was declared an heir of righteousness. Everything Jesus, for us, everything Jesus has, we receive through faith as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let me close with a statement. A person always acts according to their beliefs. A person always acts according to their beliefs. Noah believed God. Noah built an ark. Now let me ask you something. If you really and truly believed that judgment was coming, hmm? if you knew it was coming, and you knew that the only way that you could get on the ark And be saved is to come on God's terms, God's way. Would you be willing to do that? Have you done that? One thing we know is that judgment is coming. You agree? It's like death and taxes, you know, it's happening. Okay? One thing we should all agree is that it's closer today than it's ever been before. That's why Jesus used Noah as the illustration of his return. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. When is that? I don't know, but it's closer than it's ever been. And if you knew that, or if you know that, would you be willing to come God's way, which is the way of repentance and faith that leads to transformation that is shown in your life? Our churches are full of those that get right to the point of reverential fear. And they're not willing to get get on the ark that way. Almost, and they'll argue they're saved, but they're going 
quickly to help. Because you see, it's by faith, then fear. No other way works. It's the way it is, gang. It's the truth of the Word of God. It's not Tom's truth. It's God's truth. And you got to shake it out for you. I'm glad I shook it out a long time ago. Everybody in this room has got to shake it out for themselves. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm not sure all we're going to do here. I'm not sure all you want to do here today. But God, I think I did what I was supposed to. Now, Lord, I transfer it to my dear people. And God, I pray your spirit will make clear in their heart your truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.